Welcome to the Someone Somewhere podcast. It's Sunday, November 24th, and I'm your host, Nicole. This is episode 29. This episode is brought to you by hashtag FamTaughtMe, my fertility awareness education initiative. Find all of my fertility awareness blogs on Patreon at www.patreon.com FamTaughtMe, and follow me on Instagram at FamTaughtMe to learn more. I'm available for one-on-one consultations, and I'd love to work with you on learning more fertility awareness and body literacy skills, and I've also created my very own paper charting journal, and so I invite you to check that out on my Patreon, and you can order it directly there. On this episode of the Someone Somewhere podcast, I'm going to talk about the ancient technique of vaginal steaming and why it's made such an impact on my menstrual life. Since I can remember menstruating, I remember having cramps. Perhaps the first few years were not that remarkable, plus the added issue of being told that cramps are basically a normal part of the experience. But by the time I was in high school, I would definitely say that my cramps were noticeable and disruptive. Day one was not a day where you wanted to be up and on your feet. I'd feel the contractions of my uterus and I'd need medication or a heating pad. And these strategies eased my pain and they made it easier to go to school or work, but they certainly never addressed why I was feeling the pain in the first place. So fast forward a few years to when I first tried birth control at the age of 21, and if you want to hear more about that experience, please listen to episode 5 where I recount it. Needless to say, it brought me to the practice of fertility awareness charting. And that opened me up to a whole new world of information about caring for my body properly, in ways that had never occurred to me previously. And during my deep dive into this information, I found the practice of vaginal steaming through a healer named Dr. Rosita Arvigo. And of course, this sounded outlandish at first that sitting over a pot of steaming tea could do anything beneficial. How would it even get up there? But I'm always down to try something once, especially if ancient people did it, and many cultures still practice this today. So the first month after I learned about vaginal steaming, I decided to try it because of my experience with herbalism. I already had most of the herbs kind of on hand and all I really needed was a pot of water and a blanket. So the first menstruation after I steamed, I felt a significant change, a lot less cramping, and I saw a lot of reduction in the clotting of my blood. Those were the most apparent things to me. And this was curious because I was always told that all kinds of shades and types of blood and clots are essentially normal and it could be dark and full of clots and this is still considered basically normal parameters. So it never really occurred to me that it could even turn a different color. But by the second month of steaming, the blood was turning a bright red color instead of this deeper burgundy blackish color that it had been. And by the third month, I was having a painless menstruation. So no cramping and no pain before or during menstruation. So this was obviously a revelation to me. I had had my period for 10 years already and I didn't know that this was possible and I didn't even have high expectations for what was possible. Uh, It was like I stumbled on this thing that clearly worked for me and I wanted to speak out about it, but at the same time, I was figuring this out that there was a huge counter movement to devalue and delegitimize the practice of steaming. 
So I've now been practicing for two years and I've been pain-free ever since I started. Not to mention that it's a wonderful ritual to perform in the week preceding your menstruation. So lots of people have asked me to cover vaginal steaming on the podcast, so I'm happy to take this time to get into some of the history and the science related to the practice. In this episode, I'll cover what is vaginal steaming and what can it be used for, the history of vaginal steaming as a practice around the world, signs that you might benefit from a steam, how to perform a steam in the comfort of your home and what you'll need, and other resources for you to learn more about vaginal steaming. Vaginal steaming is the practice of extracting herbal medicinal compounds through warm, gentle steam coming into contact with the vagina and deeper into the cervix, uterus, the entire pelvic area, and even up through a deep central channel connecting to your heart. This strategy of reproductive self-care and community care has been around since ancient times on most all continents that people have inhabited. This means the practice varies widely across cultures in terms of the herbs used and when the practice is employed. Sometimes they are referred to as yoni steams, which comes from the Sanskrit word for the vagina or literally translated as the source or the origin. The basic way to perform a vaginal steam is as follows. You start by procuring an herbal blend that aligns with your goals. The herbs are then brewed in a pot of steaming water, which is placed underneath you, either on the floor or on an open-seated chair. You are wrapped in a blanket that covers you from at least the torso downward to keep the steam from escaping. You squat or otherwise sit above the steam for 15 to 30 minutes and receive the warm healing steam which enters your body directly. The benefits and traditional uses of vaginal steaming are wide-ranging. Current research finds that it is a traditional practice in at least 28 countries worldwide. Although steaming varies from place to place, it is universally used after giving birth. Most often administered by midwives, the popularity of postpartum steaming isn't without good reason. They're popular in Central America, India, Eastern Europe, and in Korea, where they're used regularly as part of a normal menstrual ritual in healthy people. They're also used to address several different kinds of menstrual challenges. Some of these include fibroids, endometriosis, prolapse of pelvic ligaments and organs, chronic infections like bacterial vaginosis and chronic painful cramps. Any condition that would be considered cold in Chinese medicine can benefit from the warming effects on the pelvic bowl. Many times, steaming accompanies a self-massage therapy regimen. Vaginal steaming is well documented in several cultures for use after birth during the fourth trimester and also during menopause. In addition to the physical benefits of steaming, the process of steaming can help us to heal trauma, abuse, and other violations to the body, difficult surgeries, and other feelings of cultural shame or hurt that we may feel around our vaginas. The more I learn about steaming in different cultures, the more I learn about different kinds of menstrual herbs and geographically specific remedies. Some of the most common and universal steaming herbs include rose petals or hips, lavender, rosemary, calendula, mugwort, St. John's wort, motherwort, ginger, and yarrow. Seaweeds like kombu and bladderwack are also included for their mineral constituencies, softening, and cleansing abilities. Some cultures include sea salt for the same reason. So how does vaginal steaming work on the body? 
Essentially, there's this concept of warming the womb. This heat extracts herbal compounds, and then they're carried into the womb by the steam. This process of steaming softens the reproductive tissues. The endometrium builds up on the walls of the uterus and breaks apart and falls every menstruation. But the walls of the uterus are not smooth, they're rather grooved, and you can see this by looking at a uterine piece of uterine tissue under a microscope. And between the peaks of these uterine grooves are venous lakes. And this is primarily where the uterus might have a hard time getting that tissue to be excreted. Steaming before a bleed helps to break up this matter. And the first couple cycles, you may start to see a lot of clotted and dark colored blood coming out. And this is the leftover blood that is the body cramping in order to try and remove. So the idea here is that we're using the chemical compounds in the herbs plus the soothing method of extraction in the steam to help the uterus remove what it's obviously trying so hard to remove in the form of cramping. And the idea is that once this old blood is cleared, the color of your new blood will be fresh, crimson red, have minimal clotting, and you'll menstruate without pain. And this is a sign of healthy blood flow in the pelvic region, and a healthy person should be able to menstruate with no pain in what we would call minimal discomfort. So that would mean discomfort that lasts for less than 30 minutes. The amazing thing about this treatment is that it has profound benefits for menstruating people at any and all phases of our life cycle, while we're menstruating, after we've given birth, and during menopause. In my own personal experience with steaming, as I recounted earlier, there was an immediate reduction in cramping, which over time gradually transitioned into no cramping at all. I'd always heard the phrase, the uterus is a self-cleaning organ, and though this is true, it became apparent that we're one of the only cultures that has no rituals around the menstruating body. We generally have an attitude of medicating and hiding the act of menstruating through the use of certain products. The reproductive system is incredibly complex, and it has several systems of defense, including cervical fluid, which has the advantage of protective acidity made by beneficial lactobacilli bacteria. So yes, the uterus does clean itself and protect itself, but menstruators figured out a long time ago that the natural world has provided us with ways to make this experience pleasurable in a time of meditation and reflection. So steaming cannot just bring you closer to fixing your cramps, but to also acknowledging your impending bleeding that you're about to do, and, and what that means to be a person who menstruates. Steaming can also be impactful for folks who have spotting or brown menses at either the beginning or the end of menstruation. This is another sign of old blood that has not been able to excrete itself well, and we want to keep the body working at its optimal to remove that matter. Similarly to brown menses, large clots are another sign that the filtering process isn't working well. A clot is a sign that the area is not circulating blood properly, so the warming effects of the steam will work to break up this matter, and eventually you'll see that your monthly bleed will no longer have significant clotting. This was one of the other aha moments I had with my menstrual cup. If I was still using absorbent products like tampons, I wouldn't have been able to observe such a stark change in my blood pattern. When I saw that the clots were dissipating and that I was basically bleeding fresh blood, this perfectly coincided with the change in how I felt physically and emotionally during menstruation. 
So that was such a huge win for me personally. And now that I understand a bit more about the science, it's like, wow, this really does make you know perfect sense. Particularly if you are suffering from a heavy flow, it would be worth it to explore how steaming can bring your body back towards more of a homeostasis, which will reduce the amount of blood loss and other PMS symptoms that you may be experiencing. For those trying to conceive, the vaginal steam practice can also be used in the post-menstruation and pre-ovulation phase, otherwise known as the follicular phase. It moistens the cervical and uterine membranes, and there's new evidence to suggest it improves cervical fluid production over the course of use. In addition to being beneficial as a ritualized practice to keep blood flowing well in your womb, it appears that vaginal steaming has a variety of positive implications during the postpartum period. Most immediately, it can help subside postpartum uterine contractions by aiding the body in removing residual pregnancy matter. This helps contractions stop quicker and keeps infections at bay. It also seems to have the ability to lift, tone, and tighten the uterus and entire pelvic floor, which is often taxed after delivering a whole human out of your body. This not only makes you feel like your body is getting back to normal, it can also do well to prevent incontinence in the postpartum period. This is a wonderful practice to study up on when you're pregnant because you can make plans for that fourth trimester that nobody tells you about. You can, similarly to a menstruating person, make this a part of your postpartum rituals. When you set aside time for yourself in the postpartum period, it's better for you and your whole family. At least 15 to 25% of pregnancies result in miscarriage. Another name for miscarriage is a spontaneous abortion. Whether the abortion is spontaneous or deliberate, vaginal steaming is a pleasant way to recover from this process and return to your normal menstrual cycle once again. The steam helps pregnancy matter to flow out easily while certain herbs can be employed to prevent hemorrhaging and minimize post-abortive bleeding patterns which sometimes can go on for weeks. It also has the added effect of relaxing your womb space after cervical dilation. If you're having problems with fibroids, endometriosis, ovarian cysts, bacterial vaginosis, or chronic yeast infections, it's worth exploring how vaginal steaming can improve your well-being and reduce symptoms altogether. Steam in general is antibacterial and antifungal, so the steam penetrating the vaginal tissues can help your natural lactobacilli to gain balance and control over the vaginal environment, and this helps ward off harmful microbes that create the discomfort. Yet another use for vaginal steaming is after sexual or medical trauma. Vaginal steaming can relax the abdominal area, which is intricately tied in to the parasympathetic nervous system and the vagus nerve, which sends information directly from the cervix to the brain, bypassing the spinal cord. The nervous system is relaxed by the application of steaming herbs. While the body can recover from physical trauma, and the spiritual aspect of the steaming process can help that person heal. According to one account, vaginal steaming is used in Haiti as soon as possible after the violation occurs. It is a standard practice. Lastly, vaginal steaming can be helpful for menopause. Vaginal steaming stimulates circulation and supports your uterus to continue to release as your cycles slow down. During menopause, steaming will revitalize vaginal tissue improve pelvic floor strength, and improve vaginal dryness. Part of the issue with discussing this practice, and why I was pretty hesitant to discuss it when I first started, you know, using it and it was working for me, 
is because we assume that this is a new age trend, as is often discussed in the media. But I found steaming through the Mayan healing tradition, so I already knew that there had to be more to the story than that. And so if you Google vaginal steaming, for instance, you'll mainly find articles of dismissal and a lot of fear-mongering from practitioners, so I decided to delve in a bit deeper. And come to find out, vaginal steaming is a practice used all over the world for a plethora of issues related to the reproductive system. And this is when I found the work of Kelly Garza, the steamy chick. Kelly has some foundational research into the global practice of vaginal steaming, and we thank her for it. She has a map on her website, steamychick.com, that explores all the different intricacies of this practice around the world. And so I'll try to keep it brief, but there's many fascinating tidbits in this mapping project, and so I think it's really wonderful to expand our minds as to how this practice is used. So here's some very interesting historic research on how different traditional practices of vaginal steaming work in different parts of the world. I'm going to start with the one that I first learned about, which is Mexico in the Chimel Mayan community. The tradition of steaming originates from the sweat lodge or steam sauna, which was typically used after childbirth. In Nicaragua, steaming is traditional postpartum care administered by midwives in Orinoco. In Colombia, Epsom salt and water is used in a steam for vaginal infections. In Haiti, vaginal steaming is a commonplace practice administered by midwives during the postpartum period and for vaginal infections. The process involves steaming, herbal baths, and other herbal medicinal and medicinal food techniques. The Dominican Republic is used for postpartum care and general menstrual wellness. Puerto Ricans call steaming bajos, and the herbs are used uh, mostly local plants called baquinha, monkey's hand, and malva or malo. This practice seems to have Taino roots. In St. Kitts, the practice was locally called bakin. In Trinidad and Tobago, the tradition of steaming is to sit on a basin with hot water and herbs after giving birth. This practice is common and administered by midwives. Many Plains tribes in the United States also use steaming practices, but the practice was forcefully stopped during the federal removal of indigenous people during the late 19th century. Some people continue to keep the tradition alive, but because of the sacredness of the ceremonies, they're kept in private for the protection of their community. In France, menstruators from the French countryside used herbs such as mugwort, chamomile, calendula, and chervil for vaginal steaming. Uses include to induce menses, to clear menstrual clotting, and for afterbirth care. In the Czech Republic, interestingly, we have a modern example. Uh, vaginal steaming is used in the maternity wards of five Czech hospitals in order to expedite labor and prevent birth injury. The Czech Republic is the first Western country that has integrated a traditional midwifery practice into modern obstetric care. In Poland, oak bark was traditionally used for steaming. In Lithuania, steaming is also a common practice. Typically, one would use a bucket and pour some boiled potato peelings in and enjoy their steam. So even vegetables are sometimes used here. In Greece, vaginal steaming was written about in the Hippocratic corpus under the term fumigation. Fumigation is a word that would come to be used in many cultures as a way of describing this process. In Syria, Bedouin peoples had a type of vaginal steaming technique for the postpartum period.
In Egypt, steaming is mentioned in the Cahun Gynecological Papyrus, the oldest known medical text in Egypt. This is dated around 1800 BC and deals with reproductive health. Ghanian midwives also use steaming as part of postpartum care, and herbs are prepared by a traditional healer. In Nigeria, it, this process is called burning herbs, Joe Agbo or Hayaki. In Angola, vaginal steaming is common in indigenous and rural areas, mostly for postpartum care. Traditional herbal remedies are used by South African women for a range of gynecological issues. In Zimbabwe, vaginal steaming is a traditional practice. Even contemporary women are offering steaming stools and herb packs passed down from their ancestors. Maasai women used to steam with jasmine when hunters returned from trips in preparation for reuniting, and this could suggest that it is used as part of a preconception fertility ritual. In Eritrea, vaginal smoking is commonplace, both as a menstrual practice and for postpartum recovery. Every house has an adobe in the yard for women where they primarily use myrrh and other herbs. This is popular in the countryside as well as in the city. In Ayurveda, the ancient natural medicine of India, a practitioner looks for the qualities in someone's imbalance and aims to treat the client with the opposite qualities. From the Ayurvedic perspective, steam has the qualities of being hot, subtle, and spreading. A vata or a kapha dosha imbalance can greatly benefit from this hot and moist treatment because of the qualities of cold, slow, dull, or hard may be present. It is a rule in Eastern medicine that if there is a pain, there is stagnation, and so warming, moving treatment like steaming would be indicated. India is also where we get the word yoni from, the Sanskrit word for the source. In China, there's a history of fumigation, both vaginal steaming and vaginal smoking, in traditional Chinese medicine. All of the organs have emotional and energetic qualities in Chinese medicine. So vaginal steaming allows people who menstruate to reconnect with their bodies in a positive, loving way, which helps to clear blocked energy. A Javanese ratus treatment, also called ratus spa, ratus v spa, vaginal steaming or smoking, is performed by smoking or steaming the vagina. Herbs or oils are placed in hot water on coals to release their medicinal properties, including ethereal and healing oils. Under the seat is a steaming ceramic pot that's placed on a grill Within the pot, the ratus powder oils are sprinkled on hot coals, and it can contain a mixture of sandalwood, cinnamon, green teas, patchouli, and other spices and herbs. They're carried to the surface of the skin into the inside of the vagina where they're absorbed into the bloodstream and finally reach the uterus. The session can be accompanied by a shoulder, neck, or head massage and sometimes the treatment itself is preceded by a full-body Javanese or Balinese massage. In Vietnam, vaginal steaming is done for postpartum recovery, and interestingly, it's mentioned that garlic skins are used, and I know that garlic is a menstrual herb, so it's interesting that that is also included. In Cambodia, the practice of angplung, mother warming or roasting, is a postpartum practice used for a minimum of three days after giving birth. A new mother stays in her bamboo bed and a gentle fire is lit underneath. This practice increases blood flow to the uterus, prevents clotting, and is considered crucial to the recovery process. In Palau, vaginal steaming is part of postpartum care. Palauans do a hot bath for 30 days where the new mom receives baths, oils, massages, 
nourishment, herbs, and vaginal steams. At the end of the 30 days, a ceremonial reception is performed where she dances and is gifted money. In Indonesia, Bakera, an herbal steam bath for postnatal care in Western Indonesia in recuperation after childbirth is used. Over 60 kinds of plants are used, including the 10 most popular, which are plants heavy in essential oils. In Papua New Guinea, vaginal steaming is a postpartum practice. And in Korea, steaming is popular, traditionally called chayok. Herbs such as mugwort, motherwort, yarrow, dandelion, and others are used for regular gynecological maintenance, typically after you've finished menstruating. They're also part of postpartum recovery care. Now that was an extensive look into the practice across the globe, and there's so much diversity in how this practice is performed and all the types of herbs that are utilized. So now I'm going to get into some practical information so that you can try this out for yourself. So this is how to perform a steam in the comfort of your home and what you'll need. First off, there are some contraindications. In other words, there are some instances in which steaming is not appropriate for everyone. If you have an IUD, steaming is not appropriate, and this is to ensure contraceptive efficacy to not cause any damage to the device or to harm you. If you have a fever or infection in the cervix, uterus, or ovaries, do not steam and make sure to prioritize getting checked out by a practitioner. If you have hot flashes, steaming will add extra warmth to the body, so steaming would want to be avoided at that time as well. Don't steam while actively menstruating as it speeds up blood flow, causing heavier bleeding. Do not steam if you're currently pregnant, as it relaxes and opens the cervix, which could result in miscarriage or early labor. The same is true if you're already miscarrying. It can lead to heavier bleeding, so wait until the miscarriage has concluded to steam. Lastly, don't steam after insemination while trying to conceive, as this process can disrupt or alter fertilization and implantation. Once you know you're in a good place to try steam, it can be done either administered by a practitioner or done in the comfort of your own home. You can choose to do steam solo or in the company of others, like a group of friends. Since this is your ritual, you get to decide what you're going to do while using it. You'll want whatever's comfortable to sit for the duration of your steam session. For some people, this might mean that you watch a show, work on your laptop, talk on the phone, entertain kids breastfeed, or hang out online. For others, it might involve reading a book, lighting candles, journaling, listening to music, breathing exercises, or meditation. Make it work for you and your goals. You'll need an herb pot or any flat-bottomed container will work, such as a clay, stainless steel, or a glass pot that can handle hot water. I really like canning pots because they're big and flat and pretty raised up from the actual water. Um, so there's quite a bit of distance there for the steam to kind of emanate upwards gently. Secondly, you'll need menstrual herbs. Several different kinds of blends are available, or you can forage your own if you're looking to connect with the plants and show your gratitude through the process of responsibly foraging them. Some formulas to start with include basil, calendula, oregano, St. John's wort, yarrow, mugwort, motherwort, raspberry, rose petals, and lemon balm. The third thing you'll need is a heat source and preferably filtered water source. Then you'll want warm socks and a cloak or a blanket. Now this is meant to improve warmth and circulation by containing the herbs in the pelvic environment. Next you'll need a vaginal steam seat. 
This can be a seat you purchase or something more simple like a chair that has had the seat removed, which is pretty easy to procure at a yard sale or a thrift store. Or in times where I haven't had a steam seat, I've used a low sitting bed or couch to lay my back flat on. Lastly, you can have an electric burner if you'd like. If you'd prefer a longer steam session, um, you can use that burner on the lowest setting. Personally, I've never thought this necessary for myself. I really like 15 to 30 minute steams and that feels like enough time for me. But this is typically how they'd work at a spa or a practitioner's office so that they could be a little bit longer. Another DIY way of doing this is with a heated crock pot under a proper seat, so that would give off the same continuous heat. Now this may seem like a lot, but really I like to compare it to making a large pot of tea and then sitting down. It's as simple as that once you've really got the initial setup going. So the first thing you're going to want to do is pick a place to experience the maximum comfort, place your seat and your blanket there along with any other comforts that you like like towels and pillows and wear comfortable clothing and warm socks. You're then going to bring three to four quarts of water to a rolling boil with a lid. Add one cup of dried herbs or one quart of fresh herbs to the water and steep for five to ten minutes with the lid on. Then transfer the water to your designated steaming pot or simply move the pot itself to the steaming seat. Remove the lid and allow the mixture to cool. The steam will be ready when you can hold your hand comfortably over the steam pot for more than five seconds. Sit down, drape yourself in your blankets up to your ribs, and relax into the steam. Listen for the messages your body is sending you during this time for about 20 to 30 minutes. And when you're finished, compost your herb water and complete the cycle, showing gratitude for nature's abilities to heal us. And that's it. It's a beautiful, simple process that I set aside at least one day a month to enjoy for myself and to make my bleed enjoyable. Ritualizing in general before bleeding and respecting my need for rest has made such a huge difference for me and I look forward to bleeding and I appreciate how I feel before, during, and after. And I try to set my intentions for the upcoming cycle at that time. And so I can be more in tune with myself by setting aside a few minutes to be in my body and to steam. Here are some other resources for you to learn about vaginal steaming. The work of Dr. Rosita Arvigo, who studied in Belize under Mayan healer Don Egilio Ponti, has been foundational in spreading modern knowledge about this practice worldwide. It was hearing her words about how a healthy woman menstruates painlessly on the Fertility Friday podcast when it first became apparent to me that cramps were widespread but not normal. And so she's written six books on traditional healing methods in Central America, so you can visit her site for more information. And also many thanks to the steamy chick, Kelly Garza, for her work creating a huge buzz around vaginal steaming today. By offering certifications, consultations, and other resources, she's bringing together many different styles and techniques of steaming to suit someone's needs. In particular, I'm interested in her team's work building a bibliography of historic references to vaginal steaming and contemporary clinical studies that feature different forms of fumigation techniques. So I'll link to her site as well in the show notes so that you can take a look. I'm accepting questions through my email, famtaughtme at gmail.com. If you have a question you'd like me to answer at the end of a show about any topic, please send it my way. Question from an anonymous viewer. I've heard the phrase, the vagina is a self-cleaning organ, so why would you need to use a vaginal steam if this is the case? Won't it upset my vaginal pH balance? 
Now this is a wonderful question. Thank you so much for asking about this. It's very interesting to me that it's Western doctors who maintain this non-interventionist view of the womb space when they contribute to so much unnecessary intervention to the womb space in other ways. It also seems to contradict other claims made by Western physicians such as monthly periods are not medically necessary and can be easily suppressed for convenience. As I mentioned in the intro to this podcast, Western medicine doesn't have a lot to offer people who are suffering from menstrual pain. The primary strategy is through medication. Sometimes this is just pain medication. Sometimes this is medication to shut down the whole menstrual cycle. This is more of a suppression of pain than an addressing of pain. And this is the fundamental difference in perspective between more traditional modes of healing and the current Western scientific body-as-machine paradigm. The Western doctor also sees the reproductive system as a speciality, something separated from other systems of the body. Traditional healers see the circulatory system, nervous system, GI system, endocrine system, and more as interconnected parts of the same body. So your menstrual cycle always prefers to do what it is intended to do, which is to cycle through to the next ovulation and the next menstruation. But we need to recognize that menstrual pain is not normal and that if we had practices that actually addressed and not suppressed our cycles, we'd be able to collectively reach a place where menstruation is not a painful burden, where it can be a place for camaraderie and togetherness, meditation and solitude. This ritualization puts us in a lineage of all the menstruators before us and all their wisdom, and further back, all of the evolutionary wisdom of the plants and the synergy of these medicines. If we have these tools available to us, why should we continue to use medical options which do not serve us, which leave us confused and set down a series of interventions which disappoint us? If simple ritual can help the reproductive system maintain homeostasis or body ecosystem stability and hemodynamics, the dynamics of blood flow, why should we sit on our hands when we have this information? The conventional wisdom is that yes, the vagina is a self-cleaning organ, but history tells us a different story and that wise people have always practiced techniques which make menstruation more joyful, more predictable, more autonomous, and more enjoyable. One time I was told by a stranger online that I should, quote, enjoy my bacterial vaginosis for showing support for vaginal steaming. So here I am years later, I've never had BV or any vaginal infection for that matter. And according to a study conducted by Kelly Garza, she says, quote, I have documented approximately 600 case studies of women for who vaginal steam, noting such variables as the steam equipment, duration of treatment, menstrual cycle day frequency urban results, a review of data from vaginal steam users who did not report infections before the start of treatment, reveals that zero users reported infections after beginning steam sessions. Of the vaginal steam users who reported infections before starting the treatment, the vast majority of these people reported that their infections either discontinued entirely or reduced significantly in frequency and severity. There are only four known cases where the user reported an infection post-steam. Two were herpes outbreaks and the other two were yeast infections. Four cases out of 600 equates to less than 1% chance that a user will have an infection after a vaginal steam session. She concludes vaginal steaming appears to reduce incidence of infection 
likely improving the pH balance of the reproductive tract. Seeing that many of the herbal compounds used are antibacterial and antifungal, it makes sense that wiping out the bad bacteria with steaming would allow for the beneficial lactobacilli to return to dominate the vaginal cavity and return to homeostasis. You have to think that these microbes are in a fight for control, and that this gentle technique, instead of, say, douching or some of the prescription BV or yeast products from the doctor, can help allow them to recolonize your vagina and get you back to where you need to be. So we know for sure that when people make the claim that steaming will upset the vagina, they don't have evidence to support their claim. And two, the anecdotal evidence we do have, which is continuing to mount, points in the other direction. So that's all for now. I hope you're able to learn something great about vaginal steaming from this podcast, and I look forward to sharing this with all of you. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, please share it with someone. You can find my show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Anchor. If you can take a moment to rate and review me, I would really appreciate that. It helps more people find the show. And this episode is brought to you by my fertility awareness education initiative, hashtag FamTaughtMe. You can subscribe to my Patreon to gain access to member services at www.patreon.com slash FamTaughtMe. And follow me on Instagram at FamTaughtMe to learn more. I'm available for one-on-one consultations and I'd love to work with you on your menstrual challenges. So please feel free to send me a message if you'd like to learn more. This concludes episode 29 of the Someone Somewhere podcast. Good night. The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.